Danger exists everywhere. Horrendous undead monstrosities, vengeful soldiers, aggravated animals, psycho killers. What can we do? Our conventional attacks have failed. Guns, bombs, gas, flamethrowers, even nuclear blasts don't take them down. There's only one way left. Our finest warriors and weapons have all failed, but these creatures have one weakness. That's right, because no one can resist the allure of a good board game. We all know that these horrible things will surely play by the rules. So a few sessions of Monopoly is all it will take. Earth is practically saved. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. Yes, as that voice during that really long introduction said, this is the RPG Backtrack, your favorite show, where we talk about games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. I'm one of two hosts. My name is Phil Willis, and this is my dark side, my evil shadow, he who follows and stalks me wherever I go, Mr. Mike Minky. Don't feel that short, Phil. Am I really... You're making me sound like some some force from, from Bizarro World out to do nothing but take you down. Is that really what you want me to come across as? I feel like... Why are you doing this to me, Phil? That's just how I feel, Mike, when we have to do, like, two podcasts within two days of each other. You know, I'm a busy man, Mike. There's only so much of me to give. Well, uh, blame babies. There, that'll do it. Evil babies. Well, at least there is one ray of sunshine on our podcast tonight because we have the one, the only, Anna Maria Brivetier. <laughs> you knew I was going to find a way to slaughter that. <laughs> Welcome. It's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I'm on the RPG cast. I'm on there all the time, so. Yeah, yeah well, sometimes I come on the RPG cast and sometimes you come over here to the dark side. Yes. The RPG backtrack. 
you know, out of I mean, and I know you're busy. You know, and I know you. You know, you've had your hands full. I mean, you guys, you guys got married not that long ago. You came to the country. You've been going out to cons. So, you know, you're you're almost like Mr. Michael Cunningham. Usually, it's the really big games that bring you over. So I was pretty surprised when I saw you were coming over for what we're talking about tonight because this series of games doesn't really strike me as like one of those groundbreaking hallmark role-playing game series. Nope, but I've played all of them. you played them and all. And I've played them in multiple ways. And you love them. I enjoy them. Okay, that's that's good enough. I'm, yes. I'm not sure I'm ready to be in a committed relationship with Puzzle Quest at this time. <laughs> well, that is, uh, that's because... Are you, afraid that, are you afraid that the relationship will start to seem a bit samey? Uh, that's no. I think it's because she's. <laughs> I think she's afraid it would be a polygamous relationship because she would be joined at the hip with Puzzle Quest, Challenge the Warlords, Puzzle Quest Galactrix, Puzzle Quest Two, and Marvel Puzzle Quest. Holy cow! Talk about polygamy! But hey, I'm from Utah. I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not a Mormon. <laughs> you know what? When you're in Rome, Mike, you do as the Romans do. And when you're on the so RPG, that means you never drink or smoke, right? <laughs> when you're on the RPG backtrack, you talk about old games. So we're gonna take a little break and come back so we can do just that. Hold on tight. We have returned, and we are sitting down, tied in our chairs, eager to discuss Puzzle Quest Challenge of the Warlords. This was developed by Infinite Interactive for the PS2. Oh my gosh, first player productions for the DS, Vicious Cycle software for the PSP, and Xbox Live Arcade, and Transgaming Technologies for the iPhone OS. This was published by T3 Publisher and released on a whole crap ton of platforms, most of which I've already mentioned. Uh, this was originally there released. probably a few that you haven't gotten to yet. Okay, yeah, Nintendo so DS. It was, yeah. so let's, let's run this. It was PC, Mac, PSP, PS2, PS3, Wii and DS, XBLA, 
and sort of the iPhone. Sort of the iPhone. And this we'll, is, we'll go into that after we talk about Puzzle Quest itself. This was released on March 16th, 2007, a single and multiplayer puzzle RPG experience. And you may not have gotten it on March 16, 2007, because it actually took almost two years to roll out to all the platforms. Yeah. Let's see here. I Gosh, I think I... Was it originally one of the early games I got on the PS3 and, and then the PSP? Um, but I have so it on both. So I originally played this on the DS, and I was going to be the reviewer for it, and I don't remember what happened. I think either Michael Tidwell or Michael Cunningham ended up doing the review instead. What ended up happening is is um, the year afterwards, there was um, an expansion pack that came out, um, which was Puzzle Quest Revenge of the Plague Lord. And as far as I know, that actually only came to the Xbox Live arcade version. Ooh. And so I ended up reviewing that version of the game. And I think it's like my only Xbox review on all of RP Gamer. Maybe you should go back and review Operation Darkness and give it a better score. Oh, jeez. Uh, no. no. I tried. I tried. I tried playing that game. This is why you didn't have me on any backtrack discussing Atlas at that time. <laughs> but it's a, it's a 360 exclusive RPG. There has to be something other than that we can say positive about it, right? Uh, so anyways, Puzzle <laughs> Quest um, has sort of gone through a few different uh, iterations and sort of experimented a little bit on what is essentially the Bejeweled Match 3 formula. So in the first Puzzle Quest, you had an 8x8 grid. It had um, purple things that gave your character experience. It had gold coins that gave you money. It had dots, and that was associated with the mana. Then it had skulls, and skulls were how you predominantly did damage. That does sound familiar from the second game. Right. And so, you know, the the, the, both the dilemma, both the fault and the 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 boon of the game was that you and the NPC opponent played on the same board, which meant that you had to be very careful not to set them up a move that would be very deleterious to you. But at the same time, you could attempt to force them into a making a move that would then leave a nice setup on the board for you. Hopefully that makes sense. That also sounds familiar. So, you know, it was sort of very much a, a give and take. Um, and so I sort of have a different ex- memory experience of it because I don't remember playing the DS version that much. Um, I beat it, um, and that's about all I can tell you. But I do have some pretty strong, um, you know, memories of playing that Revenge of the Plague Lords um, content because what they did is it actually got woven straight into the main storyline. And so, like, I think... I can't remember what the original level cap was. I want to say it was either 20 or 30. And um, the the Revenge of the Plague Lord stuff started filtering in like a level 10. Hmm. So they got you into it fairly quickly. Did they raise the level cap too? I want to say they did, but I it's been like seven years. So that I'm Dang not... Dang it, Anna. I expect you to have photographic memory. I know. No wonder you're not going to be summoned for a jury anytime soon. <laughs> Um, I do remember that I played as the knight, and um, I did that because they got to use pieces on the board, mostly the coins and the purple experience stars, for things other than coins and purple experience stars. So they were they were less useful at the start of the game, where they struggled a little bit because they needed that stuff to level up and accrue um, sort of a pot. 
But as you got higher level and towards level cap and gaining experience and gold became less of an issue, um, those spells got really powerful really fast. And that I can't remember how applicable it is to the second game. Although I'm sure I will in a minute. Yeah, I mean, the the game didn't really do anything that was air quote groundbreaking. It really was the first sort of combination of puzzle and RPG mechanics that we saw. I mean, it's it's easy to forget that this game is like eight, nine years old at this point. And so even though we have seen a plethora of puzzle mashup RPGs at this point, um, Puzzle Quest was really the one of the very first ones. And I mean, they were honestly looking ahead into platforms that we didn't foresee as gaming platforms. So I mentioned this a little bit earlier. They actually put out um, Puzzle Quest Chapter 1, The Battle of Grogar. And that was the first third of the first Puzzle Quest game. And it was ported to um, not just the iPhone, but it was actually an iPod Touch game. And so it actually scaled really well um, down from the DS version into like this iPod Touch version. And I don't think that they ever put out the the second two thirds of the game because I just don't think it performed terribly well, um, like financially. But it was kind of cool to see that they were looking ahead at a system that no one thought was going to be a gaming system. And well, nine years later, it very clearly is. <laughs> Is there an Android version of it? No. Interesting. This was before this was before the concept of phone games as a general concept. Well, they existed. They were just really really cheap and they the were really rare. Nine, the phones of 9 years ago were not very good at this kind of stuff. No. And so, you know, um it was a it was a good first try. Um you know, and it was kind of one of those things that it had that ephemeral sort of addictive gameplay to it. And for how... Oh, okay. I have been informed that they did eventually add the other chapters to the phone game. As Chris has just put down his phone in front of me with <laughs> the full game of Challenge of the Warlords on it. <laughs> so I apologize. I'm going off of old information, apparently. Um, well, we, we got corrected now instead of on the forums. That's better. Yeah. So, I mean, it was cool. And for kind of a lamey game, it had actually a decent story. And it was kind of a solid 20, 25-hour game. Like, you were going to get your money out of it. It wasn't a terribly expensive game. Um, the thing that I hated was that the AI cheated. And it basically did that. And it's something that um, D3 talked about Um like really early on in the game's life and kind of doesn't talk about it anymore is the computer can actually see what's above the grid because the pieces fall down into the grid. And so you, there are predetermined pieces above where the user can see. And so the AI basically cheats by um, the, the further on you get into the game, the more it's going to look at those pieces above the board. And so it will end up setting up these completely you know random spawns that there was no way that you could know that thing that the pieces were going to fall that way and all of a sudden it blows through 30 of your health in one shot and, and it cackles evilly as it does so and then you just kind of feel like flipping the bird at your screen also i, I remember do, I probably that, flip a double bird <laughs> and i i think my biggest complaint other than that was and it's kind of been a puzzle quest sort of staple is they give you these like move hints and they're always useless. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the hints. Never ever. use No, move hints. no, not unless you've been like staring for five minutes. No, no. Keep looking. Keep looking. Yeah. And so that's sort of 
my impressions and breakdown of the first game in series. The um, yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, for the few people who maybe don't know, you're matching up gems. Uh, your skulls will do immediate damage to your enemy based on one of your values, your attack value, or something silly like that. Um, but then there's also a bunch of color gems on there which refill your abilities and spells. So there's some strategy there in trying to you know, match up large amounts of reds or yellows depending on what spells you have equipped. And speaking of strategies, and knowing that the enemy's using the, the same board, there's been times where I've been up against a superior foe who's got some killer moves, and um, sometimes I will match up you know, let's say the red gems to deny him the red gems by clearing them off the board because I know if he gets so many of them, he'll activate his special killer kick my ass move. Starving out an enemy is a really good strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some of your, a lot of your skills, depending on the class that you're playing, uh, can manipulate the board. You might have, like, let's say the wizard has a fireball that knocks out a three by three grid of uh, gems, not uh, not only granting you the benefit, but actually removing them and blowing them up off the board, uh, which can in turn set up other uh, combos, either ones that you plan ahead of time or just because a bunch of random crap falls from the top and uh, spontaneously combines with other stuff that you didn't anticipate, creating some rather large. Uh, satisfying combos. Of course, when the enemy does it, because as Anna pointed out, it has cheater AI and pulls off a freaking <laughs> seven string combo on your ass. Uh, that gets a little irritating. Uh, now, did the first one have this mechanic where instead of three of, of a kind, if you get four of a kind, then you get an extra turn? Was that in the and first five game? of yeah. a kind? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. So that's still in there, which the enemy loves to do. Yep. Oh, yes. I remember that being a big, big hassle. Watch Phil I, get pissed. I want to get an extra turn every now and then, but no, it's no. always the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so... At that point, we flew to the future. <laughs> we, we, we what? At that point, we flew to the future. Yeah. There is a... You know, one of the... So you, you, could buy, you could find items to equip, right, Anna? Yeah. Um, so some of them dropped from completing quests as you went through the story. And then obviously you had gold, so you could buy equipment. Um, and yeah, those sort of, you could tweak your character to negate some of its weak spots or to buff up what it did best. And sort of, so that did let you customize your character a small amount, but I mean, there were some staples like troll regeneration that you were kind of just going to have to have. You also had, um, as you leveled up, I remember you could put points into stats, like, like any typical RPG, but these stats do kind of different things, right? You had what was it? I'm trying to remember here, like strength and intelligence, which were somehow, were those tied to the colors of the gems or something? I'm trying to recall. Look at it real quick here. Well, okay, there's battle, cunning, morale, and then there was the four elements, water, air, fire, and earth mastery. So as you leveled up, you could put points into those. And depending on the class you chose, it would require more points to bump up certain abilities. Um, like a, a wizard could more easily battle up probably cunning than they could uh, battle ability. And battle ability would impact, let's say, how much damage you do when you connect those five uh, skulls in a row. But fire mastery would enable you to earn more red power whenever you connected red gems together. That's right. So there was some strategy in that as well. It also, also every time you level up and you put points into it, I remember it would give you a description of what benefits you get from leveling up those those things. Also increase like your maximum that you could hold in each one of those attributes, I believe. Um, yes. So that's pretty. That's pretty interesting. You level up, you get more spells. Um, I actually just uh, while you were talking, I, I happen to have my Vita here because I've been uh, purchasing a few things on it today, 
And uh, yeah, I was like, wait a minute, did I get this on the PSP for through the PSN a long time ago? Sure enough, it's there in my download history, and it is Vita compatible. It's just a little um, pixelated. I think the only thing that we haven't talked about at this point is um, the stable. And so what you can do is you're sort of building up a home base, and um, the the stable is one of them. And so the stable allows you to capture um, some of the wild animals that are out there. And if you ride them, having a mount gives you certain bonuses or access to additional abilities. Yeah, yeah. so you go out and I think you had to like defeat the same monster so many times in that. Some, I'm yeah. trying. It's vague memories. It's been a while since I played, but um, and and you could get companions too, right? Or were um, those the companions I'm thinking of? Like, could you hire I, hirelings or something? No, the yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. Um, um, you you were able to learn spells um from the mage tower, and you are able to bump up your stats outside of leveling by praying at the temple. And I don't remember those mechanics terribly well. I just remember that they existed. Yeah, here, here we go. Uh, companions uh, will offer to join you during your quest. Uh, companions basically just have a special ability they can activate at the beginning of combat against certain enemies, which doesn't sound all that super awesome. Uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, you can capture enemies if you've built a dungeon, which you were talking about the citadel that you get. you got to build a dungeon in it. Yep. And then defeat that enemy three times. And then you have the mounts built uh, same same instance there. Um, one of the cool things was you were talking about building up your citadel and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But you could also you could also capture other cities. Right. So there were um, runes and rune keepers hidden in almost every single map. And then there were additional cities that you could take over as well. And what was the benefit of taking those over? Uh... There were benefits, but I couldn't tell you what they were. And I'm trying to look. I <laughs> don't remember capturing that many cities. I probably captured about half the runes on the map. And I'm sure there was a method to my madness for that particular choice of things that I did. But it's been so long that I just, I don't remember. And I'm pretty sure that I didn't write about something so minor in my review. All right. The, uh, oh, here you go. So the, yeah. And so there were citadels, they would give you, they would give you gold. So now I remember doing a number of these because they were very, the only reason I remember is they were so challenging. When you fight a citadel, you got like 800, but he's got like a gajillion a lot of hit points. Hit points. And it generally had ways to repair itself and it generally had ways to do burst damage to you. So, so, you know, I think it's for the masochistic because like you said, it's, it's kind of minor. It doesn't look like they give you a, a big return. I don't ever remember feeling starved for more gold. Um, so yeah, there was there's just a whole bunch of tab, and I just loaded up, and it's taking me to the tutorial. So that's the funny thing. It's just kind of <laughs> kind of coming up and reminding me what the mechanics were. And you're right. I think I think they were maybe trying to do just a little uh, too much here because I think a lot of this stuff just feels a little like kitchen sink thrown in, you know, and and it doesn't nece- you know some of that stuff's not really necessary for the experience. Right. Um, and I mean, that, that that ended up being the thing is it's like Puzzle Quest was really the first kind of game to try this sort of stuff. So they did really sort of throw the package of pasta at the wall and hope that some of it stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did sort of experiment in future games through the Puzzle Quest series and with similar hit and miss results. It doesn't look like it's got a big footprint either. It was only 60 megabytes on my Vita. Yeah, it's small. Hmm. Well, we know that fancy audio and video are certainly not taking up all that space. <laughs> oh, not so much. Oh, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Mike. 
Okay, so the sound. Gotta talk about it for just, just a second. I mean, this this just shows my my level of nerdism here. So the only genre of games that I like um, as much as role playing games are uh, strategy games, like real time strategy and tactical strategy games. There's uh, there's a lesser known um, series of games called uh, Warlords, and um, you can get some of them off of GOG. They had both they had both turn based affairs and real time strategy games. Well, um, the companies that made them really try to cut course. There's a lot of recycled things that are in them uh, assets. Well, imagine my surprise when I when I bought Puzzle Quest, and as it's playing, like sometimes it'll you know like it'll say you've won or victory or or your hero will make a sound and all those sound bites are taken directly from warlords uh i want to say it was warlords 3 uh again available on gog or whatever have you but this is like a 15 year old rts game that no one's playing anymore uh but because i played so many hours of it and clearly no one is looking out for its intellectual assets. <laughs> no, and I and I wondered if maybe they were like uh, – I never bothered to do the um, uh, the research. But, yeah, I wonder if it was like somehow made by the same company or, you know, something along those lines. But, uh, yeah, I wonder if anybody else even noticed. It's just it's, – it's just really funny. Um, anywho, little little trivia knowledge there. Um, ooh. As I uh, try to just really quickly here. Um, no, I mean, and the graphics were okay for... Oh, it's Warlord's Battle Cry. I'm sorry. Warlord's was the turn-based uh, affair, and Warlord's Battle Cry was the uh, real-time strategy uh, series, which actually very strongly tied in... I, if it is the same company, it wouldn't surprise me because Warlord's Battle Cry really tries to tie in role-playing mechanics with real-time Age of Empires 2 back in those glory days. It was really trying to blend those two together. You have a, a hero very much like Puzzle Quest that's gaining levels, getting equipment that just sort of kind of fits in, but, you know, and an overarching campaign and everything else. So, but uh, Puzzle Quest. But, yeah, I put a lot of hours into this, too, when it came out on the PSP. I played a bit on my PlayStation, but I really felt like with a PlayStation 3 and it had just come out, uh, and I had some uh, I had some really good games that were just coming out for it and Final Fantasies, uh, something. No, there wasn't no Final Fantasy. Whatever I was playing on, it was more interesting than this. But it had better graphics. <laughs> but on the PSP, this was great. A uh, little handheld game, play it here and there, suspend it, you know, on the bus or whatever. And... Um, uh, you know, on that smaller screen, it, it's it's quite serviceable. And when you connect, uh, when you connect the gems and stuff, there's effects of lightning, or you cast a fireball spell, some fire going and zapping the guy's um, face on the other side. So it's nothing earth shattering, but uh, definitely uh, serviceable. I, I couldn't see spending my console time with it, but handheld time worked great. And that's the advantage of having it come out on so many platforms. Oh, you know what's really funny, too? Okay, there was two other things on the board. I'm looking at a screenshot. There were gold coins, and then there were these purple things, which were XP. Now, you got XP anyways for beating enemies. These little purple things, I recall them irritating me a little bit because they, at the end of the day, they just didn't seem to amount to a ton of XP. It just seemed like to be another color to fill up the board. And coins were very much in the in the same vein. You nev- I never tried to connect purple or coins um, unless there was absolutely nothing else to do. And then I just felt like it was a waste of a turn. It was like me passing my turn. Oh, another thing. When you played on the DS, Anna, did you have to use the touch screen or, or does that let you use the traditional controls? Do you remember? I don't remember off the top of my head. Sorry. 
So I know on the on the PSP version, if you were swapping two gems and for some odd reason, let's say you just made a mistake, uh, that swap did not result in a match, your hero would take damage. Yep. So I'm just imagining on touchscreen, was that something that happened more often because it was you know a little bit easier maybe to act, make a mistake with the stylus or? Um, I don't remember losing a lot of damage that way. I mean, I think I would have learned pretty quickly that hey, pay attention to what you're doing and don't. It, remind, uh, it reminded me of that little buzzing thing in the operation, you know, where you touch the side, <laughs> <laughs> lose five health. So, shoot. But there, there were some pretty close games. Freaking AI was tough. Yep. Or just cheated, like you said. Blood and I mean, the stuff that was part of the, the extra campaign, some of that stuff was really, really hard. Oh, the extra campaign. Yeah, I don't think I got that on the PSP. No, version. As, like I said, <clears throat> as far as my memory recalls, the Xbox was the only place that got it. Hmm. It might have, at this point, sort of been pushed out to the other platforms. But, I mean, it came out like a year plus after the game. Hmm. So uh, I don't know how far it sort of siphoned down to the rest of the... I mean, obviously the DS version get patched. That would be something that would be like the PC version or the iOS version or the PS3 version. Yeah, I'm not sure about the... I'm looking at the PC on Steam. Uh, I mean, you kind of think if something could be patched in there, it would be patched in there. But I'm not uh, seeing like it directly referenced uh, in the description. It is saying it's more than 150 challenging quests, but the thing felt like (laughs) it was long anyways. Um, Hey, somebody gave it a thumbs down because it's repetitive. Well, duh. It's a puzzle <laughs> RPG. What did you expect? Hi, oh, some people. Oh, boy. I will say that it's funny because I went back and read my review for the first Puzzle Quest game to get ready for this. Uh-huh. And I talked about the fact that this game is super repetitive a lot. It's like in almost every single paragraph. of. Oh, that's funny. So, by the way, this game is very repetitive. Hey, uh, if I haven't mentioned it already, it's a little bit repetitive. Oh. And just so you know, if I haven't mentioned it before now, this game is kind of a little bit repetitive. Hey, I got a you quick know, question. You know, Anna, you are reminding me of Garfield and Friends, uh, a U.S. Acres bit where Orson pulling out a book, Deja Vu. And if I, nobody else gets that, that's fine. I got a quick question <laughs> for you, Anna. Is it repetitive? It is a little bit repetitive, yes. Okay, cool. Mike's thinking about asking now. Some... <laughs> no, no. I will hold on to that thought for when we talk about the second game, about which I am rather well informed and can in fact say with assurance that it is repetitive (laughs) no there Uh, there does not need to be a question mark or an interrogative statement effect at the end of that sentence it is repetitive uh, we will continue in in that vein when we reach the second game there's good news and there's bad news before we get to puzzle quest 2 there's something else we have to talk about that's right galactrix we need to talk about puzzle quest galactrix developed by infinite interactive and asper media published by d3 publisher released on the nintendo ds playstation 3 through to psn windows and xbox live arcade on the xbox 360 on or around february 24th 2009 a single and multiplayer puzzle rpg experience in outer space. space space Now, when this was being talked about, because I had played so much Puzzle Quest, and I saw the screenshots they were working on as a space RPG, and I was excited. Yeah, I was really excited until I played it at E3. Yeah, yeah, it's just... And that killed a lot of my enthusiasm, but I decided I was going to give it a try, 
And um, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Because yeah. here it, it had a few sort of really key problems. So number one, it was Repetitive. Wasn't... No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Number one, it was repetitive. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so like two, the first game, only even more so. Well, I'll, I'll get into why I felt it was repetitive. Instead of going with sort of that straight up bejeweled 8 by 8 grid, they went with something called, uh, they, they modeled it after something called Hexic. And Hexic, instead of being square based, is, well, hexagonal based. And so Ooh. the board is sort of not uniformly sized, and the pieces all have six sides to them. And the thing that takes a while for your brain to wrap around is that the way that you move the piece is the way that the board is going to fill in. So whereas in a typical, in in the original Puzzle Quest, everything dropped down from the top. And it was always predictable how things were going to drop. In um, Galactrix, if you flicked up and to the left, the pieces would fill in up and to the left. And so it just... I mean, for me in particular, it took a while for my brain to wrap around that concept because I always thought it should be the opposite of how it really worked. Um, the other thing that made this game really repetitive and repetitive in a really obnoxiously drawn out way is that every opponent that you faced had a shield. So on top of the fact that you were sort of trying to plow down people's um, engines and their computers and their weapons and blow up their ship... You had to take down their shields first. And shields were regenerated just by matching blue tiles. So even if you killed a shield, there was a chance it could come back. Oh, that sounds like a recipe for making the fights last longer. That's just what we needed. Yep. So um, there was a couple of other changes. So sort of that experience is still on the board. And instead of skulls, because that's so archaic, there is now space mines. Space mine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> mines, mines in space. space. And so all the mines had numbers on them. And so in the original Puzzle Quest, one skull was one damage and the red skull were three damage. And that there was obviously modifiers to that that you could um, make your damage output by matching those skulls much more powerful. But mines kind of were a little more randomized. And so you could have a random mine that was very powerful and then random mines that were kind of weak. Hmm. Um, I will say that I found the story in Galactrix a lot weaker than the first Puzzle Quest game. I found it was sort of contrived. And honestly, I remember so little about the story. I just remember in my mind thinking the whole time that I was playing it that, holy crap, this is so contrived. So I did play it on the DS originally, and then I got a PC code for it, and I dabbled in that a very small amount. But yeah, mostly I played it on the DS. Not to my remembrance, no. Higher resolution hexagems. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what everybody yeah. wants. And so, I mean, it just... It kind of felt like they were trying to do something different and failed. I mean, there is nothing that is technically superior about the first Puzzle Quest game. It just feels better. And I don't know how to qualify that in a good statement. 
It just didn't. It just didn't flow like you're saying. Like, so you're matching up the. And I played it a, a bit before. I just kind of gave up. Uh, I I did uh, buy it, and and like you, was ultimately disappointed by the experience. And part of the frustration is is not knowing exactly how the gems are going to fall. In in Puzzle Quest One, which is just pretty much based on Bejeweled, you know, you clear a row, you clear a column, exactly how they're going to fall. So it's pretty, um, you know, easy to set up some combos. Um, with what's on the board when they're available uh, and to kind of see see that ahead of time. Um, it doesn't quite uh, flow as well here. You'd get combos, but it just was always a surprise more times than not because they would just, you know, Jim would fill in this direction, fill in that direction. And so you, you felt more like um, that your actions and, and the results of those actions were – I should say the results of your actions were more uh, based on random chance and happenstance than the fact that you actually saw a cool combo and, and played it out. So, uh, you know, that took away from some of the magic. And then, yeah, of course, it's it's still kind of a boring grind. adds replay value. <laughs> well, I tell you. And, I mean, there was always some – there was already a random factor uh, in the standard puzzle quest, because once you made a match, you had no idea what was going to fall down from above. I can't tell the you how the computer many... did though. Oh, the computer did. I can't tell you how many times, like you know, you didn't have a lot of great moves. You needed a certain color, a certain match, or whatever. And there was always like that. You know, you saw like two skulls at the very top, right next to each other, and you knew that if you cleared anything from that uh, column next to it, that another skull could fall down right next to it, or one space away and give the enemy that move they need to finish you off. So I mean, there were definitely. Some Sometimes where you were taking some chances there, and when they paid off, you know, great. And if they didn't, well, you know, that that's your random factor there. But here, it's like every turn. It isn't just for some of those big moves or whatever. You're on the edge of your seat, um, which is about every move you make because you don't know how it's going to play out. And then, yeah, the fact that you got those regenerating shields. I mean, the, the battles already take long enough. The, the one of the problems with puzzle, the original puzzle quest, especially you fight against citadels. The, the higher level you get, the more hit points everybody has. Now, your attacks go up in value, but it just seemed to me that the battles were getting longer and longer, and uh, which doesn't help with, you know, with, the, with the feeling that the game's starting to get repetitive and drag on. Uh, Galactus just makes it much worse when you got shields that can replenish. Of course, the other game, you could have a heal skill. Nothing was worse than fighting an enemy with a heal spell. But at least that was stupid limited trolls. to only certain enemies. Stupid trolls, stupid regeneration. Of course, I had regeneration. That was okay because that kept me in the fight long. But, um, yeah, when it comes to those shields, holy cow. Yeah, no, you're right. I remember that now. You brought that up. I want to kill those shields. Shoot. You can't. <laughs> those shields shield take all the abuse you can throw and keep standing. Keep, keep on. Shields up, Captain. Uh, yeah, no. No, no, no. No, I mean, I was, I mean, I, I would love to see more futuristic uh, RPGs of any sort, but the idea, and the idea of a futuristic puzzle matching, whatever, was really super cool and awesome, especially with the, the fun I had with Puzzle Quest and the screenshots, the art looked better and stuff that I saw when they were talking about it. But yeah, once you got this little quote unquote gem in your hand, yeah. There were some other mini games in there too, I think, like, I just don't remember what they – I'm seeing the screenshots where they have like different minerals that you had to line up and stuff where mm-hmm. you're like mining asteroids or something. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean those were interesting and very And I mean bit. it was very similar to sort of learning the spells and taming the, the monsters and stuff from the first game. But again, just the pacing was bad. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
just in case you don't believe us, um, I'm looking at these screenshots here on Steam. Just to remind me a little bit how the game works and stuff. And, and you might be looking at the same screenshots and you're like, Phil, but these screenshots look so cool. I'm matching up to no, user reviews. 216 reviews, 44% uh, are positive. That means 56% are mixed or negative, neutral or negative. Or Actually, you can only do negative or positive. So, yeah, lots of red thumbs down on this. So... Yeah, it just it just it was hard to get into a rhythm with this game at all. And I mean, I think on. sort of the interesting thing in terms of sort of the RP gamer side of things is we had like six reviews for the first Puzzle Quest, and they really ranged. It was like two and a half to four. We had trouble securing a reviewer for Galactrix because it was just no one could get through the whole game. Yeah, and that... I actually think it was you, Jooms, that reviewed it. God no, bless that person who one. did it. Ah, okay. So I can speak informally on the second one get there. I can't speak about Galactrix Mug because, um, as we'll hear in the near future, the very near future, the second one kind of sapped my desire to have it in a little while. <laughs> uh, yeah. Metacritic's got a 72, but I actually feel that's that's being generous. Uh, user score, 6.8. It's a little unusual for the user score to be lower, but in this case it can make sense. Um I mean, Puzzle Quest also had a little win behind its sales because, like you said, uh, it was doing something new, something different. Uh, definitely had this fresh original feel. So Galatrix needed to um, bring something more to the table, especially since Puzzle Quest, while it was new and fresh, um, especially with the expansion, had pretty much run its core. So uh, doing they needed more than just making a hexagons, and they certainly didn't need to make it more grindy with shields. So, mm-hmm. mm, so stay away from Galactrix. We're just gonna that. Or I guess if you do want to play it, then try a couple battles a day. It'll take you a year or so to finish, but that's <laughs> the best way. <laughs> Actually, that I think that would be my advice for for any of these games. Really, um, I think it just bummed me out because Galactrix felt like such a really yeah. cool concept that really fell down in it. No, you're absolutely right, Anna. I, I don't think that can be emphasized enough. Um, uh, I'm right there with you. I was so excited when I first heard about it and saw the screenshots. I love science fiction. Um, such a missed opportunity. All right. Well, let's move on to a Puzzle Quest 2. Developed by Infinite Interactive. Published by D3 Publisher. Surprise, surprise. Released on the Nintendo DS, Xbox 360, through the Xbox Live Arcade, iPhone OS, a Windows Phone, Windows PC and Android devices released on the DS on June 22nd, 2010, Xbox Live Arcade June 30th, 2010, and on the PC August 12th, 2010. This is a single and multiplayer puzzle RPG experience. Okay, here, let's let's sum up the story first. Th- this will take a long time. Um, <laughs> there are monsters coming out of a dungeon near a town and you have to go kill them. Yay, done. There, that, that's the story. I think the first thing you yep. notice about Puzzle Quest 2, if you've actually played the other two, is, you know, your first Puzzle Quest, you were kind of a hero and you traveled from, you could, you had a little icon, you could travel from town to town, you could conquer citadels, but you were kind of traveling over this continent, you know, addressing issues and fighting puzzle battles, of course. And then you went to Galactus, and you're on a spaceship, and you are traveling from planet to planet. But then you get to Puzzle Quest 2, and suddenly it's like the camera just decided to come way, way down and zoom really far in. And now you're actually just playing an adventure in a town like a typical RPG. And there's a dungeon where you're going to go and explore room by room. One and dungeon. It's like a cave-ish dungeon. It's like a three yeah. rooms in it connected with the hallway. Remember that? Oh, no. It's got multiple floors. Yeah. Oh, how, I remember. how can I forget? Because you have to kill everybody in order to get 
through to the door that leads you to the next floor, and then you find that that floor is full of people you have to beat up too. This is true. And then you get to the next floor, and it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Well, well. And, then, and there, there are probably at least five total floors. I don't remember right now. Didn't it have a different color goblin or something? I think it did. Okay. I mean, I think I fought a dragon at the end, which fought me exactly the same way as everybody else did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes, and I want to mention, since I felt fit to mention the sheer number of typos in the text when I wrote the review, I should probably mention that here. That... Remember that story I just mentioned? That is not a lengthy story. You'd think a little proofreading wouldn't be too hard, but apparently it was. Gosh, McPeoples. People do notice when you can't spell things correctly more than two sentences in a row. Yeah, it drove me crazy. Um, okay. So, in addition to the battles, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute because they're so very different from the first couple of games, um, you have to do similar to the battles in order to open doors and chests. And it, except this is different because it is, uh, you're, you're moving gears and whatnot instead of gems. And there's no penalty if you lose. You can, you just get kicked out and have to try again. And they get longer and longer as the game goes on. And you have to do them because getting through the doors is mandatory. So you just have to pick the lock and keep fiddling around with all the gears inside until eventually you get it right. And then you go, yay! And then you have to fight somebody else the instant you get inside that room. And probably he, he has a friend also in the room and, when both of them are done, then there'll be that other guy on the other side of the room who'll say, what did you do beating up my friends? I'll beat you up now. And only when all three of them are down can you move through to another room that'll probably have a lock on the door, so you have to pick that too. And then you have to go and beat up some more people on the other side. This is a remarkable encapsulation of my experience playing the game. And remember, I had to play this for review, so I was trying to barrel through it. (laughs) Imagine how much fun I was having. Yeah, I felt for you. I think I remember having some conversations with you around that time. And that, uh, yeah, I, yeah. There's just certain games you don't want to have to barrel through. And a Puzzle well, Quest game is one of them. And here is the thing is, even if someone was playing through this at a at a typical pace, and I'll let people sort of decide for themselves what a typical pace is, there is so little visual variety and so little... But Anna, contextual I'm, I'm sound a, variety. I'm that, in a tan corridor now. It was brown in the last floor. Look how different it is. And the music is half a note off of where it was before. But like, <laughs> the first Puzzle Quest had more variety in its environments and the sort of overall feel of what was going on than I, I the second game. I love that you mentioned did. the thing called the Citadel because that's not in the second game at all. There's, I know. There are side quests if you consider being able to open chests and fight pe- a few people you might not otherwise have to. Side quests. That's it. So, yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing that killed it is they decided that to make the game better, they would make it twice as long as the original. <laughs> because reasons? Uh, it's a great bullet point on the back of the box when you say over 100 hours of gameplay. It's and not 100 hours badly, of gameplay. No, it might be if you play very, very badly and constantly. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> I mean, I that's think the that's the only way I can see I think that's the thing that kills sort of the Puzzle Quest series as a whole, is if you lose, you gain almost nothing for your time. And the the winning rewards are lavish to the point of almost embarrassing. Well, I, you mentioned in Galactics how the, or maybe it was the first one, Phil, how uh, the life bars just kept going up. That definitely happens too. Yeah, that's just a puzzle quest thing. Okay. 
like, but making the game longer means that they get even longer as the game goes on, and <sighs> you're, by at least the halfway point, it takes you at least five minutes to beat anybody, and that's if you're lucky. Yeah, that's yeah, a problem. And, with... and they can usually, you know, have some healing, and and this one has uh, equipment that you can sort of... Um, oh, yes. And if somebody's defensive equipment kicks in, I remember this clearly, the game slows down. All right, because uh, they have a shield, and it has so much of a chance to block for half your damage, which really slows it down more than, yeah, because you really didn't have that in the first one. If you connected skulls, you did that much damage. That's all there was to it. But, yeah, here they can actually block you, and, and it I happens slow, and a I lot. I slow down as in the old NES-style slowdown. Oh, oh, that kind of slowed down. Oh, oh I didn't really run yeah, that too was... much into that <laughs> PC version. But it might have... Maybe it's because fre- you're on the PC. Maybe it's because you didn't too- get... Two point two point four gigahertz needed to of uh, of processing power needed to run Puzzle Quest two here, people. There's something wrong in your optimization code if that's what it takes. But of course, the Nintendo DS, one would think, is able to handle slowdown on Puzzle uh, Quest. This no, game is not the no. most uh, the technically demanding out there. Exactly. No, and and I'll tell you, I actually remember now that you brought this up. Um, so this was one that I actually got for the DS. Uh, I pre-ordered it or got it brand new or whatever have you. Stupid, stupid. I should have learned with Galatrix. Um, thankfully, I had read some early reviews before I had opened it. And it went I... right back. <laughs> I actually think I borrowed Chris's copy. I don't think I ever owned it myself. Yeah. Um, I did own... so. Um, a bit of a non sequitur is Konami sort of did a ripoff version of Puzzle Quest at some point, and I somehow got a center review copy for that. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you think Puzzle Quest is bad, ripoff games of Puzzle Quest are even worse. What was the name of it, or can we not know? Oh gosh, because this was before Konami was having its horrible times of now. One would think it would have slightly better quality assurance, but clearly not. Um, I want to say Puzzle Chronicles. But let me see. Ah, yes, that that, that definitely hides the influence. Yes, it's Puzzle Chronicle. Yeah, it's not that good. I think I'll stay away. That sounds like a good idea. I think it would be better to play Puzzle Quest 2 than it is to play Puzzle Chronicles. Ow. Ow. Um, There. It's just, it kind of bums me out because as a series, I feel like it has a lot of really good potential, but that it has never been met or exceeded even in the first game. And they kept trying new things, and Galactrix wasn't that good, and Puzzle Quest 2 would have been better if it had just been half the game with all the features. Does that make sense when I say that? I kind of feel like they stripped a lot of the features out of the first game just to make Puzzle Quest 2 longer, and that was to the detriment of the game. I can definitely understand that. It certainly didn't feel like there was a whole lot going on in Puzzle Quest 2 except fight, 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 pick lock, fight, fight, fight. And at least in Puzzle Quest 1, you had a lot of breaking up of that particular monotony. It was just weird because I was so addicted to Puzzle Quest 1, even though it wasn't a great game, and I'm air quoting great game. Right. Um, it was fun. It was addictive. It had really great qualities to it. It certainly wasn't going to be for everyone. But Puzzle Quest 2 kind of felt like it sucked all of the life out of it and sort of just tossed you into the shell and you had to deal with it. Hey, hey, talk about sucking the life out of you. What about sucking your wallet? Check it out, guys. So Puzzle Quest 2 
there that you can buy it on the uh, there's a freemium version and then there's the the pay version the pay version 299 it does have in-app purchases though for like a buck you get gold and i put that in quotation marks i have no idea how much gold you get mixed materials sapphires rubies crystals i mean why grind all that stuff up when you can just pay 99 cents and set yourself on off but wait (laughs) there's a freemium version where and that's the one i got i had originally downloaded because i was getting on a flight i was like yeah what the hell not and um and i can't remember if it came with one class or how exactly it worked but looking at the in-app purchases you can unlock uh, the barbarian and the assassin and whatnot for a dollar ninety nine each. Now wait a minute. If I unlocked each of the classes in here, <laughs> it would be more expensive than just buying the game. They would be just buying the game. I guess if you were just going to buy one character and just pl- maybe that might work out for you. But yeah, heaven forbid you buy one and then decide you want to play through this monstrosity with another one because you'll end up paying more. <laughs> um, yeah, that Lydia net purchases are cute there. Now I seem to remember that. The, what did I choose? I think I chose a wizard. So at the beginning of the game, that did make a difference. But then later on, I seriously don't think there's much of a difference in how any of the characters play because no matter what you do, you still have to hack through stupidly long enemy life bars. And by that point, you'll have hacked through 50 of the same life bars just to get to that point. So you'll be probably incredibly bored anyway. Right. And I mean, I think I played a barbarian because it was considered the easiest beginner class. If I'd have known that, I would have picked a Barbarian. Oh, well. Um, I just remember Barbarian was considered a basic class, Assassin was considered an advanced class, and the other ones kind of fell in the middle. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit, you know, we talk about picking locks, and if you search through or whatever, there were these mini games that were the match three, but they were different types of match threes. Um, I, I don't I ask mean, me even- even Square Enix jumped on that match three sort of hype train with, um, oh, Geo something something. Mm-hmm. Geomancer Chronicles? Gyromancer. Gyromancer. Ah. Piece of crap, Mancer. Piece of crap. <laughs> so, you know, Gyromancer was based more on Bejeweled, the, the Bejeweled twist. So, um, it, it again, it, it's like Galactrix, where it sort of takes that really base formula and sort of swaps it out with a slightly different mechanic. Um, it just had a really bizarre plot that no one could make any sense of. So that is not what I expected to hear out of a game like this. I expected yep. to hear either a, a forgettable plot or a bad plot, not one that it was throws just your brain into overdrive. Um, also, the music sucked. Let's see how many tracks were there in Puzzle Quest Two. I think there were three or four total tracks in the whole game. <laughs> I mean, the problem wasn't the quantity of tracks in Gyromancer; it was the quality of tracks in Gyromancer. Well, yeah, if now, they had been awesome tracks in Puzzle Quest Two, I might have not minded. But they were the kind of thing that even if you try to listen to it, you won't be able to hear much because it's like background music. In a- now, I played a lot of Puzzle Kingdom. If, we, if we're talking about sort of these side games. So after the team made Puzzle Quest and Puzzle Quest Galactrix, um, things sort of split off and one team made Puzzle Quest 2 and one team made Puzzle Kingdoms. And so the thing that sort of set Puzzle Kingdoms apart was that it was that same square grid, and I believe it was an 8 by 8 grid. And what happened is, is very similar to Galactrix, where depending on the way that you pushed the um, blocks inside of that 
square would determine which direction the block slid in from. So if I slid down in a row and made a match, things would fall from the top. And if I slid something up to make a match, things would pop in from the bottom. But the nice thing is, is they told you, they sort of previewed what would be coming into the board by having sort of little reminders at the edge of the board. So it plays... So, so you've got slight, a slight leg up on the AI compared Well, I mean, to the AI can still see farther on can because no. they're cheating. Um, but yeah, um, I had a lot of fun with Puzzle Kingdoms. It did take me a while to beat it um, because it was, I think, a lot harder than some of the other Puzzle Quest games. Um, and there are levels that you're just going to have to replay to sort of get a better feel for how you are going to approach them. And there are some levels that are very puzzly and some, um, you know, special functions that you have to do to get things working right. Um, and there are spells and stuff that you need to cast. It's a really good sort of retelling of the first Puzzle Quest game um, with a different board slide mechanic. So, so I mean, if people liked world. the first Puzzle Quest game, try Puzzle Kingdoms. You might like it. Yeah, I I played it a little bit, enjoyed uh, enjoyed it for a bit. Um, the graphics look a bit more cartoony, but you really don't play these games for the graphics. Um, so it, it it definitely is a, a different, and that's why I bought it just because I, I knew it wasn't going to blow me away, and it didn't. But it was it was at least different without being Galactrix slow down, broken, irritating game. Galactrix, so much hope in it. My heart's so crushed. Talk about expectations dashed against the rocks. Oh, yeah. The max level in Puzzle Quest 2 is 50, mm-hmm. and I hit it. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. That's horrible. That that sounds boring. Sounds I don't... Like, there take... wasn't even a choice. I had to get into that many fights to make it to the end. Oh, <laughs> my... Yeah, no. Just doing the required fights in Puzzle Quest 2 will put you at level max before you beat the game. Oh, my ah. goodness gracious. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. Okay, so far this 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 podcast is just slipping into a pool of depression. Okay, so let's just let's just totally change the subject, get ourselves a little bit more hyped up again. Okay, hey Mike, you know what's really hot right now? Mm, the weather? No. Well, okay, yes, <laughs> yes, okay, but okay, let's talk about Marvel. Holy crap! I mean, the movies, the event. Well, we won't talk about that last one. Just, the Avengers, the X Men. I mean, Marvel's on fire right now. I don't think they could do anything wrong, right? Well, well they made Marvel. a Puzzle Quest game. <laughs> so, what if we took the awesomeness that's Marvel and put it together with the originality of Puzzle Quest? Wouldn't that be mind blowingly awesome? It's okay. We are How does the Hulk play puzzles? <laughs> we are talking about Marvel Puzzle Quest. smashes. Marvel uh, Puzzle Quest developed by Demerge Studios, published again by D3. This was released on iOS, Android, and PC on October 3rd, 2013. A single and multiplayer puzzle RPG experience with just a few microtransactions. <laughs> <laughs> just a few. Just, just, just a couple. <laughs> I sense you may be employing understatement, Phil. Whatever gave me that idea? No, no. I, you know, far, far be it from Spider-Man to ever try to put his webby hands into my pocket and try to take my hard-earned dollar. Nah. But if Doctor uh-uh. Strange tried it, then he'd get it because you can't go into the, the ethereal realm. Uh, yeah, he would just do it through magic. Magic called microtransactions. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's not an inherently bad game but it has been completely structured 
around the free-to-play model. So um, there's cooldowns on using all the characters. Um, there's in-game currency to level up the heroes, but some of them need to be broke. Some of them need to be like broken out or ranked up in a way that requires real money currency, and you just don't um, earn that very quickly in-game. You generally do need to buy it. Um, you know, there's like a health bar tied to your tied to the global leveling system. And so there's just there's all sorts of these freemium mechanics that want to suck you in and make you pay for it or make you play a very long time to accomplish anything. So be prepared if you're going to go into this that it is very gamified. Yep. And and remember Marvel Puzzle Quest takes Visa, Mastercard and PayPal. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's really yeah. You, would, you, you wouldn't think Tony Stark would need the money, but apparently he's had a bad run. It's, well, and I mean, even even some things that feel so tedious, like there's a finite amount of heroes you can have on your roster before you have to buy more hero slots, and those hero slots cost real money because reasons. Reasons because they can't. Well, okay, let, let's let's take this down the deep end. How much real money could you sink into this if you just threw caution to the wind? Um, five hundred dollars. Woohoo! Maybe more. Yeah, I mean, that's... I actually did math this out um, at the end of last year because a bunch of my friends all got into it at the same time, and so there was sort of like five or six of us locally that were all playing it, and we sort of like, well, how much would it cost to just? go dive straight into the game, buy everything that we could buy with real money. You know, we didn't count. Re- we counted like a couple of refills and like a couple of extra, you know, bonus things. And yeah, it was expensive. Hundreds of dollars. Wow. The developers will be sleeping in gold lined tubs at night if they, if you buy all that. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's frustrating is, I mean, it, it is, it is a nice looking game. And if you're into Marvel comics, it's got a little bit of a storyline thing going on there. I like the fact that when you're when you're playing like you're fighting some enemy soldiers or whatnot, you've got three heroes on your team, each one that brings um, a different skill to the table. Is it one skill or two? It's been a while because then I hit the microtransactions and stopped. Yeah. yeah, and that's basically what I ended up doing. It's like I went through like the whole first three scenarios and I basically mastered those three scenarios. And then I was yeah. kind of like, eh. yeah, then you're done. Uh, um, I'm done because I just don't want to spend the money that would be required to keep going down these routes. And the Xana can tell you, hey, you know, I like myself like some Clash of Clans. Uh, right now I'm in, uh, you know, Heart of the Storm, which, boy, Blizzard really tries hard to get their hand in your pocket on heroes that one. Heroes of the Storm? Yeah, Heroes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I am not opposed I'm to not opposed to it. No. money in these sort of no, games. No. I do so on a regular, regular basis. Regular basis, yes. It depresses me that a good game has been mired in too many microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what bugs me. Yeah. Because um, the funny thing is, is last month, Adventure Time Puzzle Quest came out. And it is basically the same model as Marvel Puzzle Quest, but it has fewer RMT hooks. And I didn't mm. think that was possible because I have seen the way the Cartoon Network monetizes its games. Mm-hmm. And I was just impressed to see that there was less gouging in the Adventure Time game than there was in the Marvel game. <laughs> Ouch. But I'm not attached to the characters in either of those universes in a really meaningful way. So I haven't delved that deep into either of them. And, I, and me, I, I, I grew up on Marvel. I like Marvel. I like the art style. I kind of liked where the game was going. But the, 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 the pay to 
what just to play the game model, whatever you want to call it, is just so in your pockets in every corner of that game. You can't do anything significant without it. Um, you know, just uh, I mean, we're uh, yeah. I mean, whether I mean, hell, I play Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, and now and Clash of Clans, and you know, and I pay money to them on the occasion. But this is ridiculous. Yeah. How um, much did you sink into it, Phil? Which one? Marvel Puzzle Quest Marvel. Zero. Because yeah. I what? saw the wall. Yeah, the wall was huge. I didn't do the math. And I'll sit down sometimes and do the math on some of these games. Like, I've done the math already on Heroes of the Storm. I got a spreadsheet. But, but then that <laughs> game, it was like, like Anna said, I mean, it was re- ridiculous. Well, I mean, kind of put it in perspective. Uh, you know, so Heroes of the Storm, there's like 30 some characters to unlock or whatnot. They got some packs to unlock. Uh, a bunch of them at a time or you can wait for a sale or whatnot. So I sat there and, and, and you can earn gold and unlock a character every two to three-ish weeks as well. Um, and But if you were to just go crazy, go bat crazy, whatever, have you buy them all with cash right off the bat the first week because you had no patience whatsoever, $250. That's pretty bad. Uh, but, but, but most people will just buy like the beginner pack for five bucks or the Nexus pass for 40 bucks, which gives you a dozen or so characters and earn the rest or buy a few more on sale and call it a day. Oh, no, no. In this game? Uh-uh. Like Anna said, you want an extra character? Pay some money. You want to heal your characters? Pay some money. You want to uh, unlock their whatever, their their level limit? Or whatever, pay some more money. Uh, uh, you know, get the... Okay, here. Uh, let's try a theoretical approach. What if you tried to play the game without paying money? You can. You can? Yeah. Okay. And how much fun will you have doing it? <laughs> Good question. Depends on how much patience you have. I got a lot of I mean, patience. that's just a subjective question that I can't answer that for you. Well, yeah, I, I realize you can't answer it for everyone. How much fun would you have had? Try, um, I mean, trying to make it through the whole game. Oh, I don't even think oh, you can make it through the wow. whole game. Wow. No, I, I do think there's paywalls. Mm-hmm. And whether they are literal paywalls or like I need to get another spot in my roster so that I can have the right kind of person that matches up with the right kind of power. So, yeah. Okay. I just felt like trying my hardest to give the free-to-play model as used here a chance, and obviously that was a hopelessly optimistic thing, and I deserve to be slapped in the face for my stupidity. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and like I said, it's, it's a, a, not not adverse to the to the setup if done right. Uh, I mean, at, and what's really kind of sad here is there's some promise here. I mean, I, I had fun playing those three whatever chapters, whatever it was I played. Um until you hit the wall. I did have a hard time wrapping. I will say, because they've got these different layers in to eventually get you to pay money, I I had a hard time originally wrapping my head around some of the mechanics that are involved there. I, I still don't think I got my head. I'm looking at the screenshots. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't remember what that was for. Um, but looking at Steam here, despite the fact that, like I said, I think the gore gameplay is there and it's fun, uh, the, but it's got... Uh, it's got uh, like 69 percent uh which is kind of low and, and that's and then when you read the comments it's it's a lot of micro transaction lights so this guy says bait and switch micro transactions galore <laughs> you expect a match three game to be casual but actually if you want to get anywhere in the game you must play at least an hour and a half a, 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 every eight hours every day every night it is a grindy bore fest so Apparently, Mike, you can get you know continue to make progress as long as you play every uh, an hour and a half every eight hours. 
Wow, that's exactly how I like to play my games. I love to get up early so that I can sink that hour and a half in rather than let the eight hours expire. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, just as a comparison uh, model or whatever have you in Clash of Clans, um, you get, uh, you know, you go to attack somebody, you get some of their resources, but then they can, somebody can attack you. Uh, once they attack you, you get a shield that lasts from like ten to sixteen hours, depending on how hard you get hit. Twelve to sixteen hours, um, and then you really, really before the shield goes down. In an ideal world, you log back in and you attack somebody else before your shield goes down, because otherwise. Your shield will go down again. Somebody else will attack you, and you'll have two or three people attack you in a row before you've had a chance to go and attack somebody else. But in that game, if you're trying to keep up with it and maximize without paying cash, um, it's like a, basically a three- to five-minute battle every 10 to 12 hours. So, yeah, if you're telling me I have to play an hour, hour and a half every eight hours, that yeah, that's – no. That's – no. So – yeah, sorry. Well, you can go and try it though if you guys are listening to this and you, you want to give it a shot. You can download it for free off of Steam, Apple, Android. Um, I played it on both uh, both the uh, PC and the Android, and yeah, you're just going to end up hitting this same paywall at some point. But it's fun for this first few hours if you don't mind waiting while your characters <laughs> heal in real time. I mean, they literally sit there and heal in real time. That's really funny to see in a video game too, by the way. Like when you're playing a role-playing game, you're just used to either your character's healing right away or you go to an inn and they heal right away. No, in this game, you'll actually see them go from 200 hit points to 201, three minutes later to 202 or 30 seconds later or whatever. You'll actually see him slowly go back up <laughs> like, like over a long period of time. But of course, you can always pay to make it go faster. You can use the healing kit and eventually you buy more of these guys. You're going to need to pay some cash. Yay! Wait, that, that may be Bruce. That may not be well played. Maybe maybe I should go with a no. Uh, but the on the positive note, the artwork is really really well done. Love the artwork. I love Marvel characters, anyways. But it's just well done Marvel artwork. So did a real good job on that. Well, geez, gosh, now I feel even more depressed. I thought we were going to make this exciting and stuff. What's 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 really weird? Hey hey hey, get get this, Anna. Hmm? IGN gave the game a nine point one out of ten. Giddy okay. up. <laughs> I mean, if you have unlimited resources to buy whatever you want, yeah, the game is going to get a very high rating. But I'm not sure that's indicative of an average player's experience. Oh, come on, Anna. What what else can you put 500 bucks towards? That, it, it's clearly best used in buying things in game, right? <laughs> I could buy a whole new console for $500. And a couple of extra games with it, too. Uh... And a TV. Yeah, or you could buy, I don't know, uh, a couple months worth of food, uh, pay your utilities, pay your rent, stuff like that. You know, mundane stuff that people have to do because otherwise people shut your stuff down and you'll be trying your hardest to play your games without any power. That'll be fun. <laughs> hey, uh, so Marvel Puzzle Quest on Metacritic 74% user review is 3.8. Don't... <laughs> 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 I, I think so the populace is, the is not IGN, happy with the microtransactions. Is the IGN review the outlier? I, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, no one else see. saw the it brilliance of this model? 91 IGN at the top, uh, 85 game critics, 80 touch arcade, 70 Mac Life. So, yeah, it just quickly goes downhill from there. Uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, doesn't have a ton of fans there. But um, you can get you can get uh, as you mentioned before if you're you maybe go, the GameFAQs user base is not full of people who have lots of disposable income. Just a thought. 
Oh, here you go. Adventure Time Puzzle Quest. Boy, that's got to be the lowest score I've seen on the iOS in a while. Yeah. It's a cash-in game. Cash, cash-in. Uh, there you go. Um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest on Apple has 4.5 stars. So, huh. Maybe they have less micro... I don't know. Anyways, um, you can get... Uh, we mentioned before you can get Puzzle Quest 2 on iOS. You can, of course, you can get Marvel Puzzle Quest on any uh, those telephone uh, uh, tablet devices. Uh, plus, you can get you can get all these guys on, on Steam. Just wait for a Steam sale, though. Um, that's what I did. Uh, even Puzzle Kingdoms and Anna mentioned. Uh, highly recommend that one, but grab it on a sale for like two bucks, five bucks, something like that, four bucks, something like that. Uh, you don't just have to, to try wait it out. Very long for Steam sale. No, no, you don't. Um, they're but they're almost always in that list. So um, you know, for for two to five bucks, um, I think Puzzle Kingdoms and the original um, Puzzle Quest. Uh, definitely worth uh, jumping into. I would save your time on Galatrix and uh, Puzzle. I would. What about I, would two? <laughs> I would say play the first Puzzle Quest and play Puzzle Kingdoms. Yeah, Puzzle Kingdoms. And yeah. if you can glean enjoyment from those, try Galactrix. Don't be surprised if you don't like it. Yeah. Yep. 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 So. All right, well, we're going to take a teeny, tiny, wincy, wincy, wincy break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, and uh, this is the final lap where we kind of do the kitchen sink stuff and read your comments, of which there are none because we recorded two days ago, and I haven't edited it yet, and it's on the to-do list, so there's nothing for you to leave comments about. So, hey, I, I forgot, I failed to mention at the beginning of the show, but Mike, this is episode number 149. Are you guys going to do something fancy for yeah. 150? I have to do something fancy. You're like, that's a round number, right? I mean, we have to. Uh, well, shoot. it's going to be a series that we haven't ta- really talked about before that we probably should have by now, considering we on staff we have several people who worship at the heels of giant robots. That's right. We worship the, the big, huge, giant, giant robot paw prints they leave in the ground. Yeah, we worship that. Uh, that, yeah, so 150, hey, we've got a new introduction. We got, of course, we do that every 25 shows, but uh, yeah, it's a 50th show, so that means it's going to be about a big game. We're going to make a big deal out of it, because that's what we do. Um, and of course, the game will be Front Mission Evolved, because everyone wants to talk about that. Oh, yeah, that's such an awesome game. Hmm. So. Um, but we probably will talk about that, but it may not be the first, the best in show. 
I have a funny feeling. I don't know why. Hmm. What well, do you think, Phil? Well, is Front think... Mission involved going to take the the best in show prize of that particular series? Well, yeah, yeah, probably. I'm thinking so. Sure. Okay. Uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my missile rocket launcher and fire a missile over at Anne and ask her what she's been doing lately. Um, I have been playing a lot of Etrian Odyssey Two Untold. Ooh. So Etrian Odyssey is a series that I had sort of a very love hate relationship with. I played the first one, never finished it. Found it kind of frustrating because I'm very bad at building parties is basically what it boils down to. And I played a small amount of the second one, realized that this series was just not going to be for me and stopped playing it. So I didn't play three. I didn't play four. And then I got a copy of Etrian Odyssey 1 Untold. So they remade it. They gave her this pre-pair, you know, this pre uh, developed party that they had a storyline that they were going to follow and they all had sort of interconnecting supportive abilities and I didn't have to worry about making a party I didn't have to worry about which characters were the right cross class and was I giving them the right equipment and so um, they also added um, auto mapping and they added a picnic um, difficulty because I am a dirty dirty casual and so I thoroughly enjoyed Etrian Odyssey Untold. And because of that, I actually went back and played Etrian Odyssey 4, which I which, also which really is, liked. That is a good game. It mm-hmm. is a good game. Etrian and 4, so, I think, it has a lot of uh, small and large tweaks to the formula that help you get into it a lot easier. Yes. And so Etrian Odyssey 2 Untold sort of takes that first style of remake and slaps it right onto the second story. Or the, the, the Oh, the, I suppose we should mention the one spinoff, Etrian Mystery Dungeon. Yes, I have it because I got it on a sale during the Amazon, um, because we want to have a sale day. Yeah, and it but, was like, that's really all Amazon cheap. needs at this point. It was cheap. I don't even think it was $15. I think it was like $12. It was cheap. So um, I haven't gone to that yet, but I have been playing the crap out of Etrian, honestly, untold. The story is really neat. Um, the character's are really likable. It has that one guy that voice acts as everything, and I just like his voice. Crispin Freeman? No, um, he does Illidan. Chris, help me out here. Liam O'Brien. <laughs> he just, he voices everything. He's 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 the gruff guy voice. <laughs> he does a voice every, Chris back there, he does a voice everything. Chris is insisting that he doesn't voice everything in the background. He doesn't voice everything. He voices a lot of things. So, and he just... Uh, yeah, he's no Troy Baker. That's true. But anyways, um, yeah, it's just, again, they've set it up so that you have an established party. The classes work really well together. They've got intermin- intermingling abilities. And they've also brought the grimoire system, which was introduced in the first Untold, into the second one. And what happens is, is as you are um, fighting, you have a chance of producing a stone that has a level one to maximum of either an enemy skill, a skill that you used, or an ally skill. And so anybody can equip a grimoire, so you can use that to either pump up their skills past the maximum level for them, or you can use it to augment skills that they don't have. So, for example, I was going up against a bunch of enemies that were all weak to fire. So I gave um, Chloe an attack that was do fire damage to all things, because Chloe does not typically have elemental damage. Um, in comparison, I have um, like 
I naturally have mining on my named character, so I gave him Grimaris that also let him take and chop. And those are gathering points that are on the floors as you explore the dungeon. And so it just allows me to gather additional materials. And the cool thing is, is some of those stones can now be enchanted with an additional effect. So I have a mining stone on one of my characters that also increases the amount of rare monsters that you will run into while you are exploring the dungeon. And rare monsters give more experience. Right. And they they usually drop neat things that help you build good stuff. Right. And so, you know, it's just, it's a clear linear progression of the cool things that I liked about Etrian Odyssey 1 now applied to the second game, which I didn't like to begin with, and now I adore. And so I'm very, very happy. I think I'm up to the 19th floor at this point. Um, I'm in the fourth stratum, and I'm sure I'm not even halfway done the game. And so, I'm sure there are, there are all sorts of invitations to go back to old floors and look for stuff. Or Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. like um, once I got up to the 16th or 17th floor, I actually got a quest that um, unlocked a whole area of 2, 3, 4, and 5 that I had never been to. And so they do a really good job sort of letting you revisit content while still keeping it fresh. And I'm very much appreciating that. So, yeah, definitely recommend. Um, I decided to get it right at launch, even though it has the dreaded Atlas tax on it, so it is a $50 3DS game. Yeah. Um, but I did knock it down 10 bucks by being part of the Best Buy Gamers program. It's like 20% off all the games and stuff that you buy. And then on top of that, what they're doing is they're doing um, rotating weekly DLC for free. And the if I waited and just bought the DLC at face value, it would be about $25 of DLC. So I kind of look at it like a $50 game that I'm getting a $35 discount on. And I'm very much okay with spending $15 on entry and Odyssey. Since I would probably pay more for that in a sale anyway. Probably. That's what I've been playing. Well, I can't question your taste. (laughs) No, we're very big fans of the Odyssey series here on the backtrack. So, but I agree with you. The first, especially the first couple, and I've, I've talked about that a little bit before. Um, they definitely can be intimidating. I mean, they totally won me over at the whole drawing on the screen mechanic. Totally made me feel like I was back in the eighties. But, uh, but yeah, it, it isn't. It isn't that you're bad at building classes, Anna. It's that, in my humble opinion, the the layer, uh, the opaque layer of called lack of information of like what skills leveling up do exactly what the classes do. I don't know what it is. I mean, Dark Spire was even worse. I don't know what it is about three uh, DS dungeon crawlers, but they think that everybody wants some super hardcore difficult. And by hardcore difficult, we mean not giving the players the information they need to actually build a decent party. So their chances of surviving in the dungeon with the really powerful foes has, you know, will plummet even further. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I finally <laughs> caved. That was one of those games. I finally caved and read a, read a fact just to figure out what the hell the, the skills do and what I could expect eventually performance-wise from each of the classes. But it's something they totally address later on in the later entries and in these re-releases. You're right. Just It's it's like Fire Emblem Awakening. Putting the easy modes in, uh, making things a little bit easier to see and work with, uh, you know, just a much better experience overall. And it's in 3D. I mean, what the hell? I mean... Since you as a kid ain't playing dungeon crawlers, uh, you know, Ultima, whatever, and and you know they had those like three D lines. Remember that? 
that you know, that was like the old version of Dark Spire, um, the vintage v- version or whatnot. You always imagine actually being able to see the dungeon in 3D. You can now. Oh my gosh! If you were a fan of old school dungeon crawlers, run and grab yourself a new 3DS with the improved 3D technology and pop in one of these new Etrian Odyssey games. It is awesome. And, and then you're still drawing maps on the bottom screen. It doesn't get better than this. And and now with the with the with Phil, the difficulty. To be modes, fair to be fair, saying it's better than the Dark Spire isn't setting a very high bar. I just, I don't want to say it's better than Dark Spire. I like Dark Oh no, I don't know. Stop it. You're confusing <laughs> me. Stop it. You mentioned Dark Spire. You said that you said that Dude, wireframe damn look you, of Dark Miki, Spire. Damn you. I was in a happy place. Etri and Odyssey, new Etri and Odyssey's three DS. Get them. Get them now. Gosh, don't listen to Mike. It's crazy tonight. Anyways, Anna, let's go back to something pleasant. Are you doing anything fun and new on the website you want to share? Anything going on there? Um, no, not right now. Um, we're getting sort of a stable of tea, a stable of people back together to do more live stream from the RP Gamer Twitch. So that's kind of what I've been working on behind the scenes. Right. Uh, and I know you got got to run off here, so I just want before you do, I want to thank you for being on the show tonight and sharing all your puzzly questing experiences with us. We really appreciate no it. No problem at all. Um, yeah, and tell and here, tell Chris we said hi. Hey, Chris, Phil, and Mike, say hi. I'm gonna tr- try to make it on an RPG cast. So surely got a new job, which once again switches up all of our hours. So we'll see if we Ooh, can't fun. be free on a Saturday morning. We'll see how that works <laughs> out. Um, Good luck. You have a good night. Thank you. And we'll good see night, you guys Anna. on the next backtrack. Yep. We will pass. Uh, check it out. If there's anything you want to be on, tell me. Absolutely. Because we've only got them scheduled into what? The year 2018, Mike? Well, just catch... only, just years <laughs> He's like looking it up. He's like, yeah, I think we do. <laughs> Mike, what have you been doing lately? Yeah. What do you want to share with everybody? You mean in the last 48 hours? In the last 48 hours. What has changed in your life, Mike, in the last 48 hours? Well, I probably could have beaten Evo Land last night, but, you know, I had several other things to do. So I I decided, you know, at the final boss beat me a couple times, I'll come back to it. Um, Evo Land. Fun experiment. Likeable game. Glad I played it. Uh, also seems to capture the thrill, the majesty, the wonder of playing those glorious 32-bit RPGs with encounter rates through the freaking roof. Remember all those PlayStation in random encounter rates, Phil? Yeah, because, you know, that that's that's exactly the quality uh, that or the characteristic of old-school RPGs that I love the most. You go through 8-bit, you go up to 16-bit, you hit 32-bit, and you gotta love how you're in the town, and you have to buy something from a guy to remove the CD load times and get to DVD speed so that it doesn't have a low screen every time you shift to a new part of the town. Oh, that's funny. Okay, that's hilarious. And then you get an achievement for doing it. Okay, there you go. And then, <gasps> no! Not not my partner! My partner who had all of about ten lines of dialogue and just the generic white mage, she died for me. No! <laughs> That's funny. She died, by the way, to the the final boss uses a Kamehameha on you. He literally uses the words ka me ha me ha. That's pretty funny too, Mike. And yeah, I think I've got his pattern down. Just a matter of actually putting, you know, I'm not as good at uh, 
persisting each time I get my butt stomped into the ground without hard feeling. But I'll get it. And then I'll give us a review of Evil Land, and I seem to have a code for Evil Land 2, which is not out for a couple of weeks, so even if I had started playing it, I couldn't talk about it yet, because it's still under embargo. Oh, well. <laughs> By the time we record again, it, it will not be under embargo. Um, let's see. In the last 48 hours, I also played a little more Front Mission 3. Let's see. Where was I? I'm stomping around Japan. We finally got back to Japan after running around China for a long time. And what do you know? There are a bunch of Chinese, Japanese soldiers who want to play with the evil bad guy who wants to rule the world. You got to watch out for guys like this, Phil. When they actually say, I want to take over the world, and they seem to be serious, you may want to keep a close eye on these guys. Because that, mm-hmm. that is definite Bond villain talk right there. Yes, Bond villain. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's still your writing right there, boys and girls. I had a, I had a friend uh, today at work, and he's like, Phil, have you played The Witcher 3? And I'm like, no, I haven't gotten around to that one yet. I really enjoyed the first one, though. I did a review for it. And he's like, oh, man, it, it's so good. The, you know, the story's so good. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, yeah, because, you know, by comparison, you've got I am villain. I will take over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. We're adults. No one does that. They find more evil ways to say they're going to take over the world. Something's more, a more insidious ways. Insidious, yeah. So that isn't so um, in your face. Yeah, regardless of what you think about, say, Rupert Murdoch or Donald Trump, however evil you might think they are, and I know there are people who think they're evil, these guys do not loudly march around stating, ha, 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 I will smash everyone who disagrees with me into the dirt. Well, Donald might say that when he's off camera, I don't know. But definitely not when he's on camera. Even he knows a little re- restraint on camera. Oh Emphasis on little. Little, yeah, jeez. Um... And yeah, I, I can't help but notice the plot of Front Mission 3 in certain respects, since, you know, it's this was back in the days when you have to click through each box of text. There's no fast-forwarding. So I might as well look at each box of text because it's going to be there on screen. Otherwise, I can just read a book or something. Uh, and it's an interesting plot. Not exactly airtight in any respect, but interesting. And yes, I, I happen to look at a fact, just for the hell of it, because otherwise I would never have known to dive through that ancient, archaic method of looking at the internet that Front Mission 3 has. Remember that, Phil? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without that, I would not have gone through the several steps that, is, that are required to find a secret Vonzer, get it for your own. And it's a pretty tough unit, and it's got this unique beam weapon, which has amazing accuracy and is super powerful, but it takes a chunk of AP, so you can't necessarily use it every turn. But, uh... See, I'm talking about Front Mission 3 because um, uh, that's what I was playing recently, along with Evo Land, but Evo Land doesn't have much of a plot to talk about. Oh no, the bad guy has just announced that he's going to uh, be evil. That's and and you need to go stop him. There, that's that's pretty much the plot of Evo Land. And in a game that you can complete in less than three hours, what do you expect? It sounds like fun. And we don't have a review of it, so look forward to one popping up. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I have been playing recently. Uh, and I suppose I should give a shout-out to a couple of black exploitation movies that I saw recently because they were so goofy and fun. Cleopatra Jones and its sequel, Cleopatra Jones and the Casino of Gold. Okay. Uh, the first one features Shelley Winters as the villain. 
screaming at the top of her lungs in every scene and actually getting into a fist fight at the end. There's a picture of that, Phil. Shelley Winters in a fist fight. Uh, And the second one features Cleopatra Jones, played by Tamara Dodson, who is, I believe, 6'1". So she towers almost over almost everyone around her. Plus, she's wearing these outlandish 70s outfits that stand out from a mile away. And she's in Hong Kong and Macau. And uh, it features a climax where dozens of guys leap off the second-story railings because, dang it, all these stunt people got paid money and they're going to do their stunts. I had fun with them. That's, that's about all I can say. They're not great movies. Most black exploitation movies weren't great, but these are fun. And sometimes that's all I can ask for. They're like evil. They're like the movie versions of Evelyn. Sure. Not deep, but fun. I guess. For a short, for a few hours. Yeah, okay. Let's not take the comparison any further, I don't think. Yay, (laughs) comparisons. What have you been up to in the last 48 hours, Phil? Yay, comparisons. Oh man! Well, we uh, my friends and I continue to play a lot of uh, Heroes of the Storm. Uh, played a number of more matches yesterday, and um, uh, that's for for those who don't know. That's kind of Blizzard's new MOBA game. Uh, and I did review. And I don't remember if I talked about this last show. I can't remember if I talked. I didn't talk about this last show, did I, Mike? I know it's only forty hours ago, but I've already forgotten. Um, so I think you did. Okay. Well, we talked. Uh, so I reviewed League of Legends for our web. I, I swear, did I talk about that League of Legends and demigod and stuff? I believe you did. Okay. All right. I feel like I repeat myself. Okay. So yeah, we played some more battles, and one of the things we picked up on is that if you queue in by yourself, you get four because these games are always five versus five. You get four random strangers. You play against five other random strangers. And for the most part, it's pretty much a balanced match. You'll win some, you'll lose some. But if you queue up with friends, the game presumes that you guys have done some strategizing together in the past and that you've picked characters that complement one another's weaknesses and strengths. And so therefore, we're not going to just pitch you against, you know, five other random dudes who've just been thrown together. No, we're going to we're going to put you against other pre-made parties, which sounds great and logical on paper. The problem is a lot of those pre-made parties have been playing since the alpha. They've actually done all that stuff I just mentioned, whereas me and my friends were noobs. We have no clue how to spell synergize and 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 we're just picking what character looks the coolest or we just bought or or whatever. So we keep getting our rear ends handed to us again and again. So it seems uh, that the matchmaking isn't quite as good as, let's say, StarCraft. In StarCraft 2, if you and I get into a group, Mike, the game will rank us on our performance as a group. Now, if you leave and another Uh-oh. friend jumps in, what's that? Oh, I don't think they'll rank very high. Well, very high. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's great, you know, because they'll put us against other noobs because you're new. But then if I play with another friend and he's really good and we start rocking things together, we'll have a high rating. Now, if he drops and you come back in, the game's recognized us as a, as a you know, let's say I'm good, you're not. So we're like an, you know, an average mediocre. Um, but it, it keeps track of every subset of people separately and it has a different ranking and keeps track of that and matches them up accordingly. It doesn't seem like Heroes of the Storm is there yet. And the, and the end result is if you have friends who really care about winning – and I, and I do have friends who get really anal about this stuff, uh, they leave your group because they're not winning. It's just not winning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not doing a whole lot to encourage uh, people. seems a bit short-sighted. Uh, but regardless, I'm still having fun jumping in, uh, doing the daily quest, 
getting some gold and you know I'll eventually unlock more characters that way. Um, then I've been playing uh, Hearthstone. I got a friend who's into that game a lot. And, you know, it was really interesting. I, I know this isn't technically an RPG, but hey, it's by the RPG Juggernaut Blizzard. Well, they're not really the Juggernaut. Uh, whatever. Uh, they made WAP. So, meh. All right. So. Why are we talking about Juggernaut? Is that just because we mentioned the Marvel? The Marvel. I'm the Juggernaut. No, no. Uh, yeah, right. Um, no. So, so I'm sure everyone knows, but, but Hearthstone is basically a collectible card game um, like Magic the Gathering. You know, I played a lot of Magic the Gathering back in the mid to late 90s. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd buy up the cards and buy packs here and there and trade with my friends and try to make better decks and inherit decks from friends and integrate it into mine. And it was a lot of excitement building these decks and then pitting them against each other. Well, and playing Hearthstone, now I was I played it for a while when it first came out. And it was okay, but it's only playing against other people. And for the most part, it was random strangers at the time. So that only takes me so far, personally. Um, and you can play that game and unlock cards slowly because you earn gold uh, by doing quests, which is essentially things like win five times as a warrior. You'll get 50 gold. 100 gold buys you a deck, uh, a small deck of five cards. Well, um, I... I quit for a while. I came back this month because I have a friend who keeps talking about it and he wants me to play with him. So I'm like, fine, I'm going to go in. I'll build up some cards, get the mechanics down a little bit further, and, and then I'll play competitively with you because you can only play head-to-head in that. Um, of course, it's a card game. Well, I jump in and I get my rear end handed to me over and over again. And mind you, I'm like the lowest rank possible because I haven't been playing in a long time. So I got pretty frustrated. I took to Twitter about it. And uh, our good uh, friend in arms, Mr. Michael Apps, he said, you know, let me look at your deck. Let me help you out. He started perspectating my matches and stuff and gave me some pointers. And a little light dawned on me, Mike. I I realized I was playing this game as if it was 1995, right, Mike? That was the day and age where we would buy the cards, open up, look look them over, try to integrate them into our deck, do the best we could do and play against other players who were doing the same. But this is the year 2015. What do people do nowadays with things like this, Mike? They put it on the shelf or they put it in a box to be – or in a case to be stored. No, no, Mike. To build decks. Oh, uh, they they scan a bunch of QR codes in? Ay, ay, ay. No, they go to the internet and they find out the most optimized deck they can make without actually doing the work themselves. Oh, so they just uh, – Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That it's way. Just, it's just like – it seems like the way we play our games these days – um, sometimes because some of these games, like we mentioned, Entry and Odyssey 1, force us to, it seems like. But yeah, a lot of players now, you just go online and you buy you, – you don't buy them. I almost said buy a strategy guide. You go online. <laughs> yeah, who does that anymore? You go online. You go to Game Facts. Yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, and then, you never, then you never read it. You just put it on the shelf. No, no. You're actually right. Some of them are, are actually kind of pretty. I, I, a friend gave me one for one of the Final Fantasy games, and I can see why people collect them. They they, they do have some rather nice artwork to go with all their stats. Um, oh, and you keep it just in case the power goes down and true. you want to try and use your generator to play a game instead of something else. Yeah, what if the what if the internet implodes and the game facts isn't there anymore? Then unless you printed out everything you might conceivably need, then you're going to need those strategy guides. That would be a fascinating editorial. In all seriousness, if GameFAQs and every other FAQ site like it suddenly disappeared and got wiped, what games would suddenly go from being popular to unpopular? What games would people stop playing? What people? What games would people gravitate towards? You know, would the, would the landscape of what's popular and fun change at all? 
it, it, I'm curious, Probably. especially in the RPG and Sir Adriano. Anyway, so I went online and I looked up some of the commonly used decks, and uh, there's websites dedicated to deck builds, and and in those websites you can you can say you can search for. Um, decks using just the basic cards you get when you first get the game and you uh, one of the things the game encourages you to do is to play each class um, uh, half a dozen to a dozen times with the computer which is uh, against the computer at its lowest setting so that uh, you can learn to play the game a little bit better and in doing so your characters uh, level up there's nine character classes each one basically a different deck and uh, and that that will unlock more cards. So once you've unlocked those cards, which is level ten for each character, um, then you've got what what they would consider to be the core cards or the basic cards or whatever. So you can go online, you can search, say, "Hey, Hearthstone core decks, best core decks," and you'll find tips and advice from people who play competitively on Twitch and all this other stuff. Some of them who've won cash prizes, and they'll tell you what their best core decks is. So then you put them together. But like Magic the Gathering, there's half the strategies in putting the deck together. The other half isn't actually playing and executing it properly. So the first half of the strategy has been taken care of for you. And they do give you some hints on how to play it. But of course, ultimately, you're there. You're online. You're playing against somebody else. It's also a lot of what you bring to the table. Um, because every situation is going to be a bit different. So, um, so once I did that, and I kind of caved into that whole ideology of okay, I got to go online and see what the best deck is because playing 500 games where I'm losing isn't working out. Um, especially since in Hearthstone, so in Heroes of the Storm, you get quest credit and earn gold to unlock characters by simply playing games. There's only a few quests um, that they give you where you have to win games in Heroes of the Storm, but in Hearthstone. All their quests are you must win your games. That's why it's so important to, to, to win. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time if you're trying to earn cards. So it's pretty funny. You're a newbie. You keep losing because you're a newbie because you have crappy cards, but you can't get better cards because you keep losing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you say ka-ching? Uh, Blizzard, that's where you pay cash. Um, anyways, uh, looking up those guys, I, I built a rogue deck, and I I started winning a lot more. I want to say probably 60 to 70% of the time instead of around 20 to 25%. So that helps. I also found out that a lot of the uh, players have left the quote-unquote ranked play and have gone to either casual mode or to the, the brawl. So, And people who play the game know what brawl is. I won't go any further. Um, but uh, anyways, trying it out, giving it, a, giving it a good old college try for my friend there. I, I, I will tell you what, Mike, playing uh, Hearthstone, and, and I know it's Blizzard's darling. It's one. It's making them tons of cash. In fact, it's making more apparently than Dota 2. And um, a lot of people love it. My friend swears by it. Michael App swears by it. But I, I'm i not a huge fan of player versus player. Uh, if I'm going to play with other people, I'd rather play co-op. But I'm also a big fan of single player stuff. In playing this game, you you know what, Mike? It makes me miss the old 1997 Microprose Magic the Gathering iteration. You ever hear no. that one? Duels of the Planeswalker. No. I am not well versed in Magic the Gathering. If you if you guys hit uh, if you if you follow my Twitter uh, in talking over my frustrations, I shared uh, a link to uh, on YouTube of a guy reviewing it. You can probably just search for it on YouTube yourself. It is a little hard to find, so if you can't find it, you want to find it. Look at my Twitter feed and dig a little bit, or let me know, and I'll I'll find it in my history for you. But um, 
and it was a really really cool game if you like Magic the Gathering it had a very strong single player campaign called Chandelar or something like that and you'd pick one of the five major classes that represent the five major deck colors that are available in Magic the Gathering and you would be like a you know if you pick the fire deck you're a wizard, fire wizard you're roaming the land there's monsters out there when you fight the, and you have very basic crappy cards to begin with and only a few like 10 or 15 life points and as you beat up the monsters, they'll drop cards. You integrate them into your deck. You make stronger decks. And you're going to want to have different types of decks because eventually you're going to want to fight the five bosses, once again representing the five elements of Magic the Gathering. And they're really tough and they have strengths and weaknesses. So you're going to have – and their monsters in their dungeons, in their towers um, – uh, you know, represent those strengths and weaknesses as well. So you're going to want to build decks to deal with each of those elements. When you go into the blue dungeon, anybody who's played Magic the Gathering knows that the blue deck is all about control and manipulation, uh, a lot of spell effects. So you're going to want to have cards that deal with those. Um, as opposed to the fire dungeon, uh, those spells are about burst damage. So, uh, and monsters have high attack but not a lot of defense. So you you know you're it was very cool and it, very RPG. There's definitely grinding because you're going to want to get better decks. And what you're going to do is beat up other monsters and take on quests. But it's a fun grinding because the way you fight monsters is by playing Magic the Gathering uh, with them. And Magic the Gathering is a deep and fun card game. So it really did a really awesome job of combining role playing with card deck building game uh, and and letting you build up a deck with a character over a forty you know, hour campaign or however long it took. It was super fun. And there's not really been anything really like it. I mean, Cold Sept on the PlayStation 2, the Xbox, I want to say the 360 was Cold Sept. That was like Monopoly meets Manage the Gathering. Um, and it had kind of a single player campaign, but it wasn't really role playing. <laughs> didn't really have a character leveling up or anything, but it did have cards you would earn by playing games with the, through the single player mode. Um, by the way, boys and girls, Cold Sept. Oh, if you like card gathering games, you like playing with your friends around a couch. I, Mag- Monopoly plus Magic the Gathering sounds silly on paper. It's really peanut butter and jelly. Um, I'll save it for another time if you ask me about it. But Coldcept is awesome. Anyway, a, a, a forgotten card classic. <sighs> but that's uh, that's been pretty much it. Oh, oh, oh! I almost forgot to mention Th- this did, did just come on my radar in the last forty years. Let me let me pull it up here. Uh-huh. My need Vita. Yeah, yeah. What one piece of news? I don't know if I'll get this edited in, in time to to actually make use of said news for the audience. But of course, if y'all are following my Tweety feed, you already know all about this. But if you head on over to the PlayStation Store that I'm loading up real quick here on my Vita, uh, you will find out that there are there is a really cool sale. Uh, Square Enix sale going on 50% off of Square Enix games that includes Final Fantasy 4 the complete collection for only $10 Tactics Ogre um, let us clean together $10 Final Fantasy 7 $5 9 8 7 through 9 basically 5 bucks each Chrono Trigger Chrono Cross Dissidia uh, Final Fantasy Tactics these are all $5 or less uh, Favorite so- story? There is Vagrant Story for two ninety nine, a little game called Front Mission Three for two ninety nine, um, Parasite Eve One and Two for two ninety nine, Lord of Arcana. That's the only one that I'm like scrambling my brain for. Um, that is Brave, Brave, Brave Fencer Musashi. No, I, I think it's a role playing game sale, and that one doesn't quite fit. And, oh, you know what? I don't think they ever brought that over to the 
PSN Portable Store. So a lot of these games, about half of them I would say or more, are basically PlayStation Portable games. Uh, another half of them almost are PlayStation 1 classics that have all been ported to the the uh, Vita or whatever. They work on the Vita through the emulation on the Vita. And if, you, if you've not played a, a PSP game on the Vita – I, I can tell you it works pretty well. The 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 screen ratio on the Vita is the same. It simply has twice the pixels, twice the size in both directions. So we're literally four times the area. So what that means is at least it doesn't look stretched compared to the PSP version. However, it does look a little pixelated because you are you know multiplying the size of those pixels. Um, and and you can map the buttons and stuff. So the Vita does a pretty good job of PSP emulation on those games that will come over on it. Uh, the PS1s, I haven't really played too, too much on my Vita because I tend to play those on my PSP where they look – and I've mentioned this before. PS1 classic games look fabulous on the, the PSP. They probably look just fine on the Vita as well. The really cool thing is – PlayStation 1 3D games like uh, like Chrono Cross and the such really haven't aged well at all. Putting those on your plasma TVs today will make your eyes bleed. But shrinking them down to like, you know... A, it's a good thing I'm playing Front Mission 3 not on a plasma but on an old... Oh. TV. oh, yeah, that would be the yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, because although you can, there are still moments when the camera gets close to things and you can count the polygons. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, one of the things. One of the things, uh, those old TVs provided a natural level of aliasing, <laughs> uh, or anti-aliasing, whatever the hell it's called, fuzzifying the sh- the jaggies on uh, pixelated polygons and the such, uh, low-resolution polygons. Uh, that was one of the hardest things for me to accept when I went up to a plasma TV, being a retro gamer. The first time I put in a PlayStation 2 game, notably Final Fantasy twelve, which looks great on a standard-definition television. It looks craptastic. And I mean crappy on a plasma or LCD television because those jaggies and the quote-unquote high-resolution textures of the PlayStation 2 era, just just not a good mix at all. It did not – suddenly it's a game that looks like it did not age well. So yeah, but on a PSP, you go back – like I played Final Fantasy IX on my PSP from beginning to end and it was just much, much easier to deal with than stretch it on my plasma TV. Not to mention – you can suspend it at any point in time because it's PSP. Uh, you really can't do that if you're playing through, uh, you know, PlayStation Three. You can play your PS One classics on your PS Three, but there's no suspend feature. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Anywho, tons and tons of really good sales there. Uh, and as if that wasn't enough, there was, and I don't know if it's still going on. I'm checking to see if I can find it, but there was another sale they had. And now I'm not seeing it anymore. But uh, they had a whole bunch of other games for sale. Play Maybe it was PlayStation Plus. I'll look at my PlayStation Plus list. But they had like uh, this uh, – I bought like Disque of 1, Disque of 2. They were like five bucks each, give or take a few bucks. Um, I are, I have the UMDs for those on my PSP. But having them on the PSN means I can pop them on my Vita and uh, and play them on there as well without running all the disc and i try to not run that disc thingy in the psp anymore than i have to anyways because you know moving parts have a limited lives so mm-hmm. a few bucks for those so yeah some really really great sales my my our listeners have heard me say it once i'll say it again vita and psp great handheld rpg retro gaming devices absolutely can't go wrong choosing either or both of those to be able to go back and play a lot of those Square Enix classics. We now have Suikoden's. 
uh, to the very hard to find $150 eBay special. You can now get it for 10 bucks. Oh my gosh. And you better, just in case Konami does something stupid and takes it off. Right. Remember, just because something's on the sale now, it doesn't mean it's or on the, the store now, doesn't mean it's going to be on the store later. But once you've bought it on your account, uh, I've never had, I've only seen, I've only had one news store where one game got removed once. I think it was off of Steam uh, due to some issue. But once you've bought a game, 99.999% of the time, it's going to be there unless one day the service shuts down. Um, so yeah, so we get into still on, still available for sale for ten dollars, and so we could in one is uh, six dollars. You know, another thing I've noticed too is uh, I think I tweeted this or I put it on our forums. I've noticed that there's a lot of hyper dimension games on the Vita. I didn't realize there was a demand for these things anywhere, Mike. We mentioned this last time, actually. Oh, okay, all right. We, we, we attempted to go through it, and uh, I think we'd be best served by keeping this on. Keeping this on ice until Mr. Apps is along, so we know that he has actually played some of these games and found them sort of enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my understanding is they're pretty, pretty, pretty okay. Yeah, depending on your your tolerance or fan service and a few other things, but interesting. Okay, uh, but I think that's about all I have. I need to go play my nightly round of Heroes of the Storm. You want to at least get one game in, even on your busy days, because that's you get the most coin for the first game. So uh, I will just uh, remind everybody that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Uh, you can you can check out all of our news and reviews and everything else over on our website at RPGamer.com. You can hit the little forums link on the left, leave your comments and your questions uh, about this show on the forums. We'd love to hear from you. You can tweet me. I'm at JC Servant. And Mr. Mike Miki is at Jew Mason. That's S Y N. Not the bad sin you hear about in church. S I N. No, it's S Y N. Anyways, uh, but you can tweet out to us. You can email me, JC Servant at Cyberlight Comics or Albert Odyssey at Hotmail.com for Mr. Minky. Uh, we got a ton of other podcasts you can listen to over on the website. You got three or four sister podcasts right there on the left hand link. So we do. We mentioned RPG Cast earlier today at Amazon just about every every week. So you want to go and listen to that if you want the newest. We do the old stuff, they do the new stuff. So if you want to hear what's new in the world of RPGs and what's going on, you want to head over there. Although by now the backtrack has covered a lot of stuff that was on older RPG casts. I know. I know. It's really funny if you go way back and listen to RPG cast, where, where it used to be called, what, Final Fantasy XI cast? Um, <laughs> I think, <sighs> uh, at the very one. beginning it might not have even been called that. Oh, you're right. You're right. Now it's the very beginning. Yeah. But all that, so much more over there on our website. And uh, if you're on iTunes, do us a favor. Go leave us some five-star ratings. We'd love to see those. Leave your happy comments. If you got bad we'll comments. Even go on to, we'll even go on to iTunes to see them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to do that every few months. Maybe we'll do another round on our on our next show there, our big 150. And uh, it, But if you have bad comments – uh, you want to let our complaint department know about that. That is askwheels at rpgamer.com. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that his email address? It is. Okay, cool. Or, or tweet him at that. Tweet him. Yeah. He needs Q&A questions. He, he needs Q&A questions, yes. If you have questions just in general about the RPG world or uh, you know some deep opinion stuff, he's definitely the guy to ask. And if you got questions about Hearthstone, let me tell you, the guy knows his stuff. He is... One of the most knowledgeable – I mean I like to think I know a lot. 
because uh, I've been playing these games since the 80s. But no, his, his knowledge level and a lot of this stuff is so bloody deep. It's astonishing. Uh, Some of it, not all of it. Oh, oh, one little last retro news. I almost forgot. Just speaking of Twitter because I was looking up uh, him on Twitter real quick. Uh, I noticed that um, – I noticed that uh, there is another – there is a brand new PSP game coming out, Mike. Trails in the Sky 2? Oh, damn. There's two. <laughs> All right. Yeah, wait, so – Wait, we still don't have a firm release date for Trails in the Sky 2. Okay. Be, uh, well, Summon uh, – Gaijin Works is officially started oh, the pre-orders. Oh, Heroes 2? No, 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 no. That, that's already done. Uh, okay. Summon Knights uh, 5. Summon Knight 5. So you can get I your pre. About that. Yeah, you can put your the presale is open. I've got my order in, and they're actually taking uh, votes. Um, and what they were doing is they were saying, "Hey, we got two different discard for the UMD, and uh, if you retweet it, we'll count up the retweets because that that number is always on there, anyways, and we'll use that artwork." And I think, uh, let me see here. I'm going to check their website, see which one's got. It was a really a close battle. Last time I checked, it was actually even at like 25 votes each. So that's pretty funny. Let's see. There's one with like a moon, and then there's another one with the characters. And I like the way the characters look. They're very anime-looking, and that usually does it for me. But but the but the UMD, it's a big circle, and the moon just seems to work better with it. So that's what I chose. So yeah, again, Twitter, We a lot of us are chatting on Twitter. I mean, a lot of us are. So it's a great place to share comments back and forth and share thoughts. And if you're just getting frustrated at a part of the game, like I was getting frustrated with Hearthstone, um, it, you can get help from some of those people there. They're very, very nice. All right, Mr. Mike, want to put us to bed. Yeah, I'm thinking now, I don't recall silver or gold ever being used as colors on the Puzzle Quest boards, and I'm sure that's some kind of secret knock against our currency system, but that's all I've got for you. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.